It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Once again, we're back with a draft show. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers that you can listen to on iTunes or whatever other podcast services out there. I don't know what the heck they are. My name's Mike Fleischman, and with me, as always, once again, it's Matt Mellumsetter. Hi, Matt. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I am really, really good. It's hot in Chicago. It's hot. We are down here in the loop in the beautiful studios of Radio DePaul Sports at State and Jackson in One DePaul Central. There's alarms going off. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a hectic day. This is our second time trying to take this episode. We got interrupted the first time. We're, we're giving it a second go. And I've got, I've got my first startup question. It might be an honest question, but it might turn into a bit. Okay. Who's your favorite Chicago Bears quarterback? Ooh, favorite Chicago Bears quarterback. I, mm, man, fond memories of Jay Cutler. Lots of fond Jay memories Cutler. of Jay Cutler. I love Jay Cutler. The meme potential is so meme high potential. with him. Here's the thing. He's the first Chicago Bears quarterback that's been around since kind of the meme era entered its golden age. And so there's a lot of love for Jay Cutler coming from the meme side of Matt Mellomsetter, from the childlike wonder of my heart. Rex Grossman will always hold a special place in my Oh, heart. Rexy. Roll Rexy and Kyle Orton will always so hold Ky- a special Kyle, place in my Kyle heart. Orton is, is a real good choice for mm-hmm. that. I'm older. I'm a Jim McMahon guy. Mm, sure. Um, I'm also a Jimmy Clausen. Oh, because man, I did forget about Jimmy Clausen. He's on my fantasy football team. Pickles. He's just terrible. Pickles. Clausen <laughs> had a lot going for him from oh. like some unfortunate looks back in his younger days to the nickname Pickles, which is highly good. That's so funny. It has to, it's a hundred percent based off of, uh, Tommy Pickles, right? That that was my. I think he looks like a little rugrat. His last name is the name of a a brand of pickles. Clausen. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. I think yeah. he looks like a, a, a Tommy Pickles, grown up Tommy Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pickles Clausen. I, I I have this thing I go through where there have been so many of these these Bears quarterbacks that are just like Duff McCougal and oh. like. Bloke Borfen and you know all these guys you've never heard of before. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Clausen is one in thirteen in his good as yeah. a starting quarterback. <laughs> He's bad, and it just there's there's so many of these guys and Bear fans will be like, you know, if we had only stuck with Norton Nodelbacker for just another three games, he would have lost all three of them, huh? <laughs> That's it. Oh, oh I I do I. Trying, I, I can't despise remember, the Bears. Do you remember when Jimmy Clausen was drafted? I can't despise the Bears either just because they're such a terrible team year in and year out. When they're good, I'm sure I'll hate them, but they just haven't been good or a threat in so long that they're just kind of like a... They've become very similar to the Detroit Lions until like two years ago. Yeah, the, the Vikings, I can I can be more unified. I have this grudging respect for Minnesota, but... Oh, the Bears hate hate Minnesota. No respect for Minnesota. Oh, Mike Zimmer's a good coach. Sure, Mike Zimmer's great. I don't. Mm. Their personnel moves are sharp right now. They they have a smart front office. I don't like them. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not. It's it's, like it's a grudging respect, at, and you know the grudging part is is as important to that as the respect part. Oh, geez, the <sighs> Bears though. It's it's so comical because these great football players show up on the Bears, mm-hmm. and they get surrounded by. By by nobody. I mean, Mediocrity. Matt Forte, Jordan Howard. These guys are fantastic. Akeem Hicks is a fantastic mm-hmm. player. And like 
they don't have wide receivers. Like they do not have un, let yeah. alone like du or toi. It's like, all right, you have a great like top five NFL running back and you've surrounded him with zero human beings? Yep. Good I, idea. They made a good addition with uh, Allen Robinson this offseason and they picked up a, I forget the name of the wide receiver they drafted. They got a wide receiver, I believe, in the second round, which I think was a good value. Um, but they just, they've always limited Trubisky, at least since he's come in, and never surrounded their running backs with any one good. They've had it seems like as long as I can remember, the Bears have had decent a decent running game, but just never added a second dimension to that offense. Yeah, when I started this show as a radio show, I was I was talking with Charlie Bevins, who was one of my first guests, and I was asking I was asking him because he was lobbying for Trubisky, and this was mm-hmm. this was back when they were starting uh, starting that like golem that uh, whose name I can't remember, despite the fact that he's like all neck and no one else looks like him in the world. Uh, Matt Barkley? Oh, no. Who did they... Who is the huge huge starting quarterback from this year? Now I have to... Hi, I'm a podcast host. Anthony Miller is the wide okay. receiver that they took in the third round. But he's just the most forgettable human being. He came up from Tampa Bay. They paid him a Mike bunch Glennon. of money. Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. You're absolutely he, right. He yeah. does look like all... He, he who does not have a name mm-hmm. in, in my mind. Well, no. It, it's totally okay that you forgot Mike Glennon's name because he's not worth remembering. Yeah, if your your brain can clear out space, sure. if your brain can make space for like one new like way to make coffee, eliminate Mike Glennon. Yeah. Save save the how to make coffee in your brain. Eliminate Mike Glennon. You can you Do can you want to that. format C yeah. colon. <laughs> yeah. yes, format I, my, yes, reformat Mike Glennon. Um, Mike Glennon. <laughs> yeah, Mike Glennon is out of here. But uh, he was making the case for Trubisky right away, mm-hmm. and that. Seem to have been the right idea. I was asking him in return, though, like, what on who? Yeah. Who helps Trubisky win games? Like, who helps Trubisky become an NFL player this year? Um, and last year, the answer was, oh, absolutely nobody for no reason at all. This year, okay, Allen Robinson sure. helps him out. And that there's at least there's at least a football player mm-hmm. or two beyond just uh, Jordan Howard and uh you know, and of course they've got uh, they've got Tariq Cohen now mm-hmm. who is pretty darn good too. Who is pretty darn good. So they're at least like they have they have built the lower section of their rebuild. There's there's somebody now instead of nobody, which is a uh, which is a nice nice addition. This is a draft show, so we have to get into the Green Bay Packers draft because we're just rambling about the Chicago Bears right now. I don't now. like talking about sorry, the Bears. sorry Bears fans. Packers draft was not exactly what we expected. I know you and I were were sitting here a mm-hmm. week ago talking about previewing the draft. We had a list of guys that we thought were going in the first round. And then, and then Gutkunst used his first draft to really, really shake the dice. Yeah, and and make some moves. Trading out of the first round, it seemed at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trading back from fourteen to twenty-seven, and then trading right back up to eighteen. And in the process of this, they managed to land themselves a first-round pick next year from the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, which is. Ooh, that's spicy. Yeah, that's a great move. I was, I was doing a, uh, I was doing a live show with Charlie Bevins here at the station for Radio DePaul Sports as the draft was happening, and I remember when I saw that we had traded away 14th in New Orleans Saints, I had to mute my the microphones because I was yeah. so upset. And then you know, three minutes later, we're back on the clock at 18, taking uh, Jair Alexander, which I'm, we'll get into in a minute. 
quite the move. Yeah, that was that was a very very prescient move. And first round NFL draft picks mm-hmm. don't get handed to you very often. Absolutely not. So so for the New Orleans Saints, this has to be a. We were, we were, again, discussing this. This has to be a discussion of what they think Marcus Davenport means for them this season. Yeah. Because 39 years old, Drew Brees, he's got, a, a what I, I think, one of the top up-and-coming running backs in Alvin Kamara. They've mm-hmm. already got some playmakers on defense. They've yeah. made some free agent signings. They think that Marcus Davenport takes them to the Super Bowl. They, I, they have to. Otherwise, this move doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I, 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 Marcus Davenport is such a raw, athletic, promising specimen of an athlete. Just a crazy, long, powerful man. But I, 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 it's going to take a few years for that, pass, for that pass rush to develop. And I just don't know if it's the right move. But hey... It's a good move for us. It absolutely is. And we're, we will, of course, have to watch. I know I'll be thinking next year, like, who does that first-round pick from New Orleans turn into yeah. when, when, we, when we get to it? And New Orleans has to be thinking that Drew Brees doesn't play until he's 42. So they have to be thinking that there's, there's got to be someone on their radar right away to play quarterback for them. It's... Uh, it's a fun situation, and the Packers have a first-round pick next year, and uh, there's certainly nothing stopping New Orleans from not having the kind of season that they yeah. think they're going to have behind a 39-year-old starting quarterback and an, and a uh, a generally unproven running back. So this very well could be a, a top 15 first-round pick next year. Yeah, I, I would see no reason that it could not even be top 10. I mean, to bet this much on the arm of a 39 going on 40 year old Drew Brees while he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league over the last decade or so it is guys don't really make it over 39 40 very consistently and we could see a major fall off and it could be a golden goose egg in the lap of the Green Bay Packers so at 18 the Packers find Jair Alexander Mm -hmm. Out of Louisville. Yeah. And we did not mention Jair Alexander at all because we are the draft prognosticators that you, the people, rely on. <laughs> yes, yes. So Matt Mellum said, or Jair Alexander at 18. I thought a pretty good pick. I I was expecting him to go ahead of this. Um, I know we did last time. We also talked about Josh Jackson going uh, with, the, with our 14th pick, and we'll get into that later. But Jair Alexander, really darn good cornerback will most likely play in the slot based on our second round selection um but he is tough as nails i saw a stat about him earlier today that in 148 coverage snaps last season 148 coverage snaps he only gave up three completions past the line of scrimmage Ooh, ooh, that's good i like that i like that another note on alexander he was the team's top punt returner yes which uh, special teams returners has been a a real question? Yeah, I would to, say we to bombed. Do that. Our, I would say our, our punt returners have really bombed lately. Yeah, hey. there, there hasn't there hasn't been a re- uh, uh, hey hey Trevor <laughs> Trevor Davis hey Trevor all charges are dropped against Trevor Davis by the way just wow. just in case we were wondering no charges uh, yeah no charges pre- no mm. charges pressed on on Trevor Davis so. Uh, Again, hi, hi, Trevor. It's Mike Fleischman <laughs> with Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. 
Um, don't say the dumb stuff. Uh, so a top a top punt returner um, started all thirteen games, five interceptions last year. He is uh, he is a legitimate cornerback, a yeah. legitimate first round pick, and now a Green Bay Packer. And the secondary stocking just continued right on from there. Yes, immediately. And this is a guy that uh, that. I thought was going to be the Packers pick at 14 was uh, was Josh Jackson and he's still available at 45 yeah. in the second round. Do you have any idea how Josh Jackson ended up that far down because every mock draft that I saw had him in the top 20? I have really no idea. I think other than the fact that uh, no draft people know what they're talking about. Uh, I, 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 as much as I think, like to think that I know what I'm talking about or what, that we know what we're talking about, it's just kind of a shot in the dark sometimes. And I guess Josh Jackson was that shot in the dark. He didn't fit on teams. He didn't fit on teams' radars. He's six foot three. He's long. He's got great ball skills. I, I, I would have been happy with this pick at 14. And I'm ecstatic to get him at 45. Scouting report from, uh, from CBS sports.com right here uses a great three-word phrase that that I uh, that I, I'm going to repeat now decently fluid hips mm. glad to hear he's got those yeah 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 so uh, dancing with the stars look out for uh, give look him a out call. for Josh Jackson give him a call he'll maybe yeah. finish like halfway through they're not the best hips apparently. I mean, he's got decently fluid yeah. hips they're not like the most fluid so he's yeah. not gonna wreck it like when you guys do the salsa episode but <laughs> they're not like water they're yeah. like jello mm, that's a good one decently fluid hips he at least it's not like pudding <laughs> and then pudding hips oh pudding hips <laughs> <laughs> Josh Jackson got some of them pudding hips <laughs> oh it's like a it's like a comedy bluegrass song. Like, like that one that one was eighty seven pickup truck owed to my mom. Next one's pudding hips uh, to my wife. Wow, I shouldn't uh, shouldn't. We're doing we're doing improv comedy here on Cheeseheads in Chicago Land because we're very serious people who do a very serious hey. work here. Uh, so first two draft picks are are both cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Alexander not quite as large as Josh Jackson at six one, but uh, but both these guys they talk about their ability to close to the ball carrier. Yeah, which to me is is so important, especially after watching guys like Randall and Rollins not make those reads and not make those closes. Mm-hmm. Guys who are aggressive on that close. I think it's important not only because hey you have to be good at that to be good at cornerback, but We've we've talked a bit already about the play style of guys like Haha Clinton Dix who play very deep and very safe, mm-hmm. and you got the feeling that Clinton Dix was always hedging his bets because the guys and he needed to be at far so far back because the, he didn't trust the guys in front of him. Yeah, um, you know a little bit more quicker contact and a little bit less of those like guys catching the ball coming across the field with no one within three yards of him. Mm-hmm. If those situations start to stop happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- that's exactly what we can pray for is because it's the crossing routes and the underneath routes and the curl routes and stuff that killed us. It was those mid range five to 10 yard intermediate throws. That is, that's what zapped our defense every single game. And to have guys that are quick as heck. I mean, uh, Jackson, I think ran a four, six, but I believe 
No, I'm thinking of I think Jermon Moore when I when I talk about that. But Jackson, I believe, ran a four four eight, and I think Jair Alexander ran a four three eight. These are fast, quick guys. They're going to be able to close down on anybody that catches the ball. And another thing that's going to help crossing routes and short passes, which ate Green Bay alive last year, is a pass rush. Yes, which that's my transition to the 88th pick of the draft. It's Oren Burks. Oren Burks out of Vandy, six three, two thirty three. Talk about fast people coming in to the Green Bay Packers. Oren Burks is very fast, and it's a guy who wasn't. Again, on my radar, I'm I'm not the draft expert. I'm I'm just a guy in a shirt. But um, I you know we we we're expecting a pass rusher. So I don't know if you've got if you've got more of a breakdown on Oren Burks than I do. I do have more of a breakdown on Oren Burks. Oren Burks started his first two seasons at Vanderbilt. He was he played at safety. He started at safety his freshman and sophomore year. In his junior year, he transitioned to outside linebacker. Uh, kind of played a hybrid. Safety linebacker, very similar to how we used Josh Jones last year and how we used Morgan Burnett last year. Uh, Burks kind of figures as more of a will side, weak side, outside linebacker. Not much of a pass rusher, but more of a a sideline to sideline, all the time tackler. Maybe we'll see him play a little bit of inside backer, um, kind of in Jake Ryan's role. But I think most likely we'll see him kind of as an outside linebacker, coverage linebacker type guy. See, that's interesting because I did hear him talked about in the context of like this guy's going to be a pass rusher. He's going to be able to get upfield very quickly. He's a, he's fast. So there's absolutely the possibility they'll use him as a pass rusher. Um, but in at Vanderbilt, he was primarily a coverage guy. Okay, then that's that is that is a little bit of a departure because mm-hmm. you, know, you were definitely feeling like all right, this team needs to take cornerbacks yeah. and pass rushers. And you know the the idea of another sort of coverage linebacker mm-hmm. wasn't quite in the in the cards. But when you look at what the Packers have at linebacker right now, Martinez in the middle is mm-hmm. is very good at covering space. But the guys on the outside edge are frequently sold out to the pass rush, or their Nick Perry, yeah, which is to say not fast. Yeah. <laughs> Warren Burks offers you a different bit of a flavor there, mm-hmm. maybe on the other side of the field, away from away from Martinez, yeah, and able to uh, to cover ground sideline to sideline. This this will this will help them out with what they want to do, especially if they're going to trust their front to put pressure on the quarterback right now, which through free agency and the addition of Wilkerson, I think they can trust that right Yeah, now. I, I would hope that we can trust our defensive line. What I think Burks brings to the table big time is his ability to coverage big, to cover big tight ends and quick slot receivers. Is He ran, he runs like a 4-4, four, four and he's also, like I think you said he was six foot three. He's a big, huge dude that's going to be able to cover, cover a defense's biggest guys. Um, and that's something we've always had trouble with. Yeah, and just the way that tight ends are now, tight ends are now wide receivers. Yeah, Jimmy Graham is a and, great example of that. He's just a giant slot wide receiver. And and the way that the way that you get like that, the old nickel cornerback, mm-hmm. the guy who's five nine and and one seventy eight, yeah, soaking wet like that guy. You know, Jimmy Graham laugh at that man. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So this this kind of con- player, a converted a converted safety, a guy who starts as a coverage man, and then throughout the course of of growing up, become gigantic. Yeah, become very big man. Yeah, yeah that's I'm big. That's uh, that's that's a, a different dimension of football player. And oh, this game just gets this game gets bigger and faster every year. Bigger, faster, and more dangerous every oh, year yeah. we play. 
So the first three picks are all defensive picks. Mm-hmm. None of them are down linemen. They're all they're all in the secondary and in the linebacking core, which is the biggest areas of need for Green Bay. They need they need to be able to slow teams down. They need to be able to take the ball away a little bit more. And then the then the Packers turn to offense in the fourth round. They pick Jamon Moore yeah. out of Mizzou, another six three guy, height, speed, verticality. Very strong, very athletic. There's questions as to whether or not he's actually a good wide receiver or if he's just a great athlete who feasted in college. But if there's any uh, if there's any team that I think can, has shown that they develop wide receivers, um, Green Bay seems to do that. They seem to really enjoy taking on projects at wide receiver, whether, whether it's a guy like Devontae Adams who has a, a, a bunch of physical skills but but maybe isn't the best route runner and turn him into a very mm-hmm. disciplined route runner or guys like Geronimo Allison who uh undrafted who are, yeah completely undrafted so a fourth round draft pick in Jamon Moore they have to think that they can uh that they can get this guy in their system and start having things make sense for him quickly yeah he and he's got all the tools in the world to make it happen it's a guy who when i watch him play reminds me a lot of Devontae Adams he played in uh, Josh Heupel's Mizzou system, which is a spread system which focuses most of their passing to one side of the field. Um, and he also played in the SEC. So he's playing against top-level talent, uh, playing in a weird spread system, which really limited his route tree when he was allowed to run kind of more complex double moves, double cuts, stuff like that. He looked really good. It's just that Heupel's system, Aberdeen, South Dakota guy, actually, where I'm from, um, was so focused on one side of the field. Uh, it was a lot of comeback routes, a lot of uh, flood concepts, stuff like that. And this is a this is not you know the the youngest greenest guy out there. Yeah. He redshirted in 2013, so has yeah oh yeah has oh. had a long college career, and and is coming into um, is coming into this with uh, with four full seasons of football at Missouri. After that red shirt, has played uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17 wow. through college. So they've, you know, that's a lot of time to uh, to get a good look at this guy. The final two seasons were both thousand yard seasons, eight touchdowns in 16, 10 touchdowns in 17. So, yeah, they know they know what they're getting here. Yeah. With, with Jamon Moore, he's not. He's not so much of a risk as in, like, will he become a football player? It's more of a risk as that, is he an NFL football mm-hmm. player? Yeah, they've got all the tape in the world on him. He I mean, he played in the SEC. Those are 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown t- seasons against playing against Alabama and SEC teams. I mean, th- that's a he can produce with subpar to average quarterback play. I'm excited to see what he can do with Aaron Rodgers. So the next pick is the move up from Cleveland in the Randall Kaiser trade, mm-hmm. and in that they get Cole Madison and a tackle out of Washington State. A uh, so looks like the prototypical Packers tackle draft pick mm-hmm. in that he's six five, he's three thirteen. They say uh, the scouting report on him is that he is not as strong or as powerful as you need a tackle to be, and I would just um, I would immediately say like, hey, that's exactly what I heard about David Bakhtiari. Yep. Yeah, he's the word is supposedly that he will try to be a guard initially. Um, he entered college as a tight end, so he's exactly that. He's a quick, athletic, not mega strong guy, but he's a big, quick, fast guy. It's always fun to have some hard acceleration off the offensive line. 
and you have to think that this team is wondering if they need to have a new starting tackle this season. Mm-hmm. In 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 the case that Brian Balaga just cannot do it anymore. Yeah, and how old is Balaga? Do you know? 32, 33. That's what I was thinking. He's coming off that ACL injury. It, he refused to take a, the pay cut. It's I don't know where our next tackle's coming from, but I don't know if Balaga's going to be able to hold up to a full season. He has not the last few years. And the, the depth chart of the Packers' offensive line right now is incredibly guard-heavy. Mm-hmm. I, I know we saw McCray at tackle, but that's not an NFL tackle, folks. No. Uh, Justin McCray, no offense, man. You had a great year, but uh, you're, not, you're not a tackle. You are a guard. He's a guard. And Spriggs, I don't know if we've seen enough out of him to count on him as a starting right tackle for a season. Um, yeah, Spriggs and Murphy are, yeah. both, uh, are both serious questions mm-hmm. as to whether they'll play. And if you want to talk about... I mean, you can see the type, though. Spriggs, Murphy, yeah. uh, Madison, Bakhtiari, you line these guys up. They, uh, the Packers have an idea of, of what, kind of what kind of athlete they want at their tackle positions. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll, see, if that, we'll see if that pans out. It worked for Bakhtiari. Yeah. And worked for Bakhtiari, and we got one of the best tackles out of, in, yep. in the NFL out of it. And that was a, a fourth-round selection. So we'll see what Cole Madison can do coming out of the fifth round. And... I think we're going to need to take a break. The first, uh, we've got one more five-round pick, but uh, two no. More. Two more. Two more five fifth-round picks. Oh, there they are. Yeah, we need to take a yeah, break if I don't know what picks are going on. <laughs> so uh, we'll, t- we'll, take a, we'll take a quick break. Uh, he's Matt Mellumsetter. I'm mm. Mike Fleischman. I've been on vacation and I have a cold. So if, uh, if, I sound, <laughs> if I sound worse and dumber than usual, that would be the reason for it. But this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's our draft episode. We're talking about folks who have never played a snap in the NFL and just might not ever... So we'll keep talking about that when we come back. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We are back. It's me, Mike Fleischman. It's him, Matt Mellumsetter. Hey. I want to let you know that we have a Twitter account. It's at Cheesecagoland, which is spelled uh, cheese. C H E E S E C A G O L A N D. Cheese Cagoland. It's a better portmanteau than it is a spelling sure. question. We couldn't ask that in the spelling bee. I, I am at M.P. Fleischman, M-P-F-L-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N. You're just at Mellumsetter. At Mellumsetter, which I think works great when you say it out oh, loud. Oh, it's good. Because it's close to Matt. It's just at, 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 at Mellumsetter. M-E-L-E-M-S-E-T-E-R. Only E's in the Only last e. name. It's it's a good way to uh, to quickly get it right. Boom. Only E's, no double consonants, and you're on your way. It's great. Icebreaker question for section two of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. What's the greatest concert you've ever seen? Ooh, greatest con- Ooh, man. I've seen a few. I saw, best concert I've seen, I saw Whitney, the Chicago band, um, in a basement for $5 before they released their first album. 
Neat. I've never heard Whitney. Tell me about Whitney. Whitney is their first album's called Light Upon the Lake. Uh, really, really, really well reviewed kind of indie modern country album. Um, and I watched it's their lead singer is their drummer, and there's a saxophonist, and it there's strings, and it's just this weird eclectic um, kind of reverence to old country. Uh, and Are they the band? It's a band, yeah. It's a full I, band. I mean, like the band. I'm thinking of like Levon Helm and like the band from the 70s. I don't know. Oh my God, you don't know who I'm talking I about. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh my Lord. You might like the band. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll love the band. Um, but it was before they'd released anything, really. They'd released one single and it blew up on like Pitchfork and, and, and Rolling Stone and all that. I had no idea who they were. Saw this concert, blew my mind. Got home, Googled it. Their album was coming out like the next week, and it was unbelievable. That, that is that's such a good way to see bands. Yeah, just it was in their house too. Neat. It was in their basement. It's a uh, the guys from the Smith Westerns. I don't know if you're familiar. I am. Yes, it's those same guys do Whitney, um, and it was in their house in their basement. How about like the alt country tradition out of Chicago of all places? <laughs> I mean, I know that if you go 30 miles south of here, you are essentially in the country music yeah. area of the world. But like this, this alt country thing that, you know, um, like Sun Sunvolt and giving way to to Wilco mm-hmm. and these projects. Like, how is that coming out of Chicago? <sighs> and I don't mind. I don't. I love it, but it's a weird place to come from. I guess it's just Chicago is such a weird city to be in because it is. You're right. 30 minutes outside of town, you just kind of hit nature and farmland and Chicago is this big center of industry and everything but so close to it is nothing I, I thought about this question and I will I'll definitely what's, check what, out yeah, Whitney you, your, have to, you have to listen to the band the if, band I'll add if, band uh, to my list of other music that I'm listening to I, I put gum in from this morning yeah they were they were Bob Dylan's backing band when he went electric really yeah well, wow project out of canada the last waltz might be the greatest concert film ever recorded so uh just just to let you know about that i mean like this isn't even like me being an old man because like my dad would be into the band there you go the band cool. band. yeah strongly recommend if uh if country music and americana and folk and and rock are your thing mm-hmm. um i was thinking about this because i i saw Definitely not my favorite concert, but I was at a concert this week. Sunday night, I went to see George Ezra with a friend mm, of mine. Right. And um, I got no complaints about uh, George Ezra. This was one of the more professional and and well-done shows that I've seen recently. I just, you know, that music isn't for me. I'm not going to sure. like, you know. What I'm, is George I'm Ezra? not a convert. He is a British uh, folk rock pop musician. Gotcha. And it's very, it's very pop. Like it's pop first. Okay. You know, songs about like girls in the beach and everything. There are moments where it almost becomes country, but it was, it was an interesting show because he had a, a six person band behind him. They were incredible. Wow. And they're very much like, they, yeah, they just, they had a very interesting take on, on his recorded music because there was a lot more drums mm-hmm. and, and a lot more arrangement going on. And it was I thought it was well done. It's an incredibly well thought out thing. There's a very good musical mind working there in George Ezra. But the actual best concert I've ever seen was the Violent Femmes in 1999 wow. in the Stevens Point Quant Fieldhouse. I believe it was 1999. Those were um, 
shaky years for me. So uh, <laughs> if, if y'all are Googling it being like, actually, it was 1998. Um, yeah, good, good Those for you. Those years don't matter. Yeah, it's, it's a it melding. It doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, the, viol- the Violent Femmes played one of the most incredible three set nights that I've ever seen wow. anywhere. And... I will I will never forget that. It was about 85 degrees in that field house. Mm-hmm. I went with like three other people. Um, they all like lost their endurance. I was the Violent Femmes fan and, and, and they were just sort of like, yeah, we'll go to this concert sure. with you. So I, I stood like just transfixed for like three hours while everyone else just sort of faded away into the background. And yeah, just a, a very Wisconsin kind of, kind of thing. Stevens Point, Wisconsin, one of Wisconsin's greatest bands. Um, that whole uh, that whole like folk country thing. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's ironic that both of us. Yeah, I've, it's, find I'm it's I'm a very, country thing. I'm a very recent convert to it. I started listening to Whitney. I mean, that was freshman year, but uh, started listening to Nick Drake very recently. I'm a big Nick Drake guy. I was uh, just recommending Nick Drake to the uh, friend of mine that I went to George Ezra. With. Amazing, amazing recommendation. Nick Drake is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, go back through uh, early Wilco. I have if, not listened to very much Wilco. Already? I will. Um, oh, my goodness. As, like, start with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot mm. and work your way backwards okay. into uh, into their first album. And there's so much so much good stuff there. Ooh. Yeah, you've, you've, got, you've got worlds to explore. It's I'm a Green Man Packers podcast <laughs> where, we, where we talk about country music and oh. uh, into the Chicago scene and my misspent younger days. Uh, we are in the middle of the fifth round. We get to the controversial part of the fifth round. Pick yeah. 172. It's punter J.K. Scott. Yeah. Uh, he's 6'6", 204 pounds. And uh, this is interesting because I've I've read some, some – we both read some interesting thoughts on the idea of a finesse punter, of which J.K. Scott is, is very much touted mm-hmm. to be a finesse punter. And there's a great article by uh, – I'm going to get his byline here because I got to credit this dude. Uh, Paul Noonan at Acme Packing Company uh, writes up about the case against the idea that a finesse punter is at all valuable in the NFL. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, he quotes uh, in the piece, Noonan quotes a tweet that says that Johnny Hecker is saves like 103 estimated points. Per season, correct? Yep. Um, which is more valuable than most running backs. No punter even comes even close to that. I mean, he, I think he's double or triple everybody else. The the punter is the finesse punter is such a strange thing. I, it it harkens back to a different era, I think, because I think we're finding out that it's very much like basketball, where once people realize that uh, the percentage at which you need to hit three-point shots for them to be as efficient as the Mm two-point shots skyrocketed the amount of three-point shots taken, I think people in football are realizing that once you get the ball across the 50-yard line, you you don't need to punt ever again. Yeah, and the Green Bay Packers probably shouldn't, considering we have one of the greatest quarterbacks that has ever played football who does the most electrifying things whenever it's called upon him to have Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball on every fourth down wouldn't be a bad idea yeah the the distance distance and hang time are the only two things Mm -hmm. that I've ever ever cared about in a punter and as soon as as soon as you get 
you know, as soon as the Brett Hundley era begins in particular, yeah. you start to see why having a, a good punter who has a strong leg and who goes for distance above all things is valuable because all of a sudden, instead of punting from the 30 or the 40 or, or those sort of things, you're punting from your goal line mm-hmm. because it's three and out time. Yeah, it's three and out every possession time. And yeah, these... Uh, these uh, so J.K. Scott, like... One, don't draft a punter sure. if you want me to be happy. <laughs> Just in general, stop drafting those guys. Two, don't draft the finesse punter. Yeah. Because, um, hey, the Raiders cut Marquette King. He's available. He's yeah. around. He He's not a finesse punter. No. He's, w- he's a kick ball hard punter. <laughs> those are the good ones. And we also already had a punter on his rookie contract. Yeah. On for cheap. Yeah, Vogel Vogel is right there and Vogel's pretty darn good punter. Pro Bowl alternate last year. Yeah. No no problems at all with him. So now JK Scott uh, with a 5th round pick and I guess like if you're looking at who's available at 172 if you know you're also picking at 174. Yeah. I mean like that is that is a pick that you can waste. Because the Raiders at 173 took a punter. Yeah. So I guess, like, if you're looking at, like, who did we miss by drafting the punter at 172? Nobody. Because at 174, <laughs> you take Marquez Valdez Scantling, a wide receiver out of Southern Florida, 6'5, 205. So two wide receivers come in, 163, 165. Yeah. Get the, uh, get the impression that the Packers are looking for something very specific. Yeah. They're looking, and every one of these. Wide receivers that they drafted can also run. Um, Jamon Moore ran a four six at the combine, but ran a four four nine on his pro day, and he looks much more like a four four nine runner. He's fast in the open field. Uh, Marquez Valdez Valdez Scantling is also very fast. I believe he ran a four four nine, maybe a four four eight. Uh, I'm getting him. I might get, be getting his times mixed up with Equinemia St. Brown, but these are. All of the wide receivers the Packers took in this draft are fast guys, and Valdez Scantling, uh, in particular, will most likely be a gunner on special teams. I think we'll see him kind of take over the role that uh, uh, Jeff Janis played in as that big, fast gunner that's tackling every punt returner. Um, he's going to take some time to develop with his route running and everything, but he's a one heck of a target. So that's that's uh, that's the final fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. For for the Packers at this point, so so the uh, the punters there that's fantastic, but a couple of wide receivers <laughs> are are there as well, um, and and then we get to round six, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. There we are. Who you just mentioned? I'm going to call him EQ EQ Saint Brown. Yeah, Equinemius Saint Brown. Um, he's got a couple brothers that I think are playing in the NCAA right now. Um, kind of I. I don't want to say the Ball family of football, but a couple very talented uh, younger brothers playing in the, in the NCAA. Equinamius St. Brown. He's also he's six foot four and three quarters. When you read these, you read these recaps of of Jamon Moore, yeah, and then Valdez Scantling, and then Equinamius St. Brown. The, the The lead sentence is always fast, tall, raw. Yeah, yeah, big guy that can run. Yep, um, and. Hey, how about like Michael Clark? Yeah, you know, already on yeah. the Packers bench. There's uh, there's now you know, with these three draft picks, and then you know Michael Clark and also Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison, six foot three. There are five guys 
on the Packers right now who are all read the scouting report reads big, tall, fast, yeah, raw, yeah. I think I Geronimo I think has over the last year or so become a better route runner uh, than I think most people give him credit for. But you're exactly right. All of these guys are big. Michael Clark is six foot six. Uh, these are all guys that are big, can probably dunk a basketball with some pretty simple ease and can run like the wind. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a good it's such a good thing to see because I will I will for the you know, I was ready to just sort of not explode because that's violent. Sure. But I was ready to just like matter was going to run out my ears mm. last year uh pre Aaron Rodgers injury watching Aaron Rodgers like like sort of step around outside the pocket and look for that guy who was finally going to come open over the cross Yeah, as like, I just wanted to sort of send him a, a telegram that was like, my dude, stop. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember that you have the strongest arm of anyone in the mm-hmm. NFL? Stop. Yeah. Question mark. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I've, I've wanted him to chuck it down the field. Yeah. And I've wanted some height out there. Yeah, I, like I don't want that pass going to Randall Cobb you now because he is five uh, ten, a small man. Yeah, but just I, some. I want some fifty fifty matchups, and yeah, you know, this to me it brings into a bigger issue is that I'm sick of the tabloid press telling me that like. Well, you know, it's because Aaron Rodgers needs to trust his wide receivers. Like, no, he needs to throw them the ball. Yeah, yeah. He they need to get open. And he needs to throw them the ball. That's what it is. Yeah, and if if he's if it's a one on one situation, if you know the safety's going to come over late, um, you need to put up a fifty fifty ball at him. Yeah, it's yeah. got to do it. Yeah. And these are guys that are going to be able to go up and get those 50-50 balls. These are guys that are six foot five with a mega vertical and are explosive athletes who can go catch that ball. Yeah, and this is a, a repositioning of the Packers' wideout philosophy where you got the feeling that if it's Cobb and Nelson lining up, the, the, uh, the prevailing thinking has to be like, we can't run these guys vertically all that often. Yeah. But if you if you're the Packers and you keep six or seven wideouts active this year, which I'm assuming they keep six, yeah, and and like three or four of them are that like raw, fast, tall, like you can send out some guys to to push the field vertically a lot more. You're not you're not saving yeah your uh, your lead guy to uh, to hopefully you know not have him blow out his knee yeah again. and 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 with Joe Philbin returning to his offensive coordinator duties, uh, he runs a more vertical offense. So the last time he was in Green Bay, he ran a very vertical offense in like 2014. Uh, and we're going to hopefully see a lot more of these guys running those vertical routes because this these guys fit kind of Philbin's system. And hopefully we'll see Le- uh, Aaron Rodgers. I almost called Aaron Rodgers LeBron James. Awesome. I, I think that's just indicative of the space that they operate in my brain, which is two guys that carry their team on their shoulders all the time. And are like mad cerebral. And are crazy smart fellas. But yeah, hopefully we're going to see Rodgers throwing the ball deep a lot. Running backs let you do that. Yeah. That's another thing is that Philbin has to be looking at that running back depth chart going, hey, it's probably going to be second and four a little more often this year yeah. if we if we run if we run three running backs out there who are all legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Risk taking becomes a lot easier. Yeah. When uh, when it's not second and eleven yeah. or second and ten or third and seven all the darn time, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if with with guys like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams that are pretty consistently, excuse me, that are pretty consistently picking up, you know, five, four or five yards a carry, it it makes second and third down simple, and it opens up the play action game. Is Aaron Rod? There's very few people that are better in play action than Aaron Rodgers when he gets to that last step in his drop, and man. To see a full season of Aaron Rodgers playing with Aaron Jones and oh, Jamal please, Williams, oh please, boy. let me see it. Oh boy, I'm excited. Please, please, I oh. I, I, I want to see it. It's it's gonna make me so happy if it if it does happen. We're in the seventh round picks, which yeah. means that it's it's pure speculation. It's pure whoever the heck time. James Looney from uh, from California. If you want to talk about dudes, what have good hair? Yeah, I does he have good hair? I haven't looked at his hair. It's a uh, it's large. James Looney. Yeah, a good, is good, it? large hairstyle. Okay. See if Long? you can get that, that picture to come up. It looks about shoulder length. Has a has a certain, yeah, it's is very it full. out? It folds up. Very okay. full. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's some fantastic, some fantastic hair. Tall, somewhat lean, interior D lineman with impressive athleticism. So, uh, same scouting report as the wide receivers. <laughs> Tall, fast, raw. Needs to get much stronger in the NFL to deal with doubles and more powerful guards. Hands are light. Guys got 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 light hands. Sure. I do you know what that means? No. Okay. Yeah. I also <laughs> don't. Does that mean that his hands are strong, or are they quick, or are they not strong? Are they easily deflected? By are they hand fighting? Or are they just? Very luminous. Mm, yeah, 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 they glow. <laughs> yeah, glowing hands. He's he's from the uh, from the new Avengers. Oh, movie. he does have great hair. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm in on James Luna. That's a hair draft. That's a hair. And yeah, it's se- seventh round seventh round pick. How about a long snapper? Yeah, we did draft. We yeah, we did draft a long snapper, didn't we? And and this is this is a thing where like yeah, Brett Good is clearly never. Probably mm-hmm. not going to play in the NFL again. Major, major leg injury for Good ended his season last year. So uh, how about Hunter Bradley? There's nothing on him. He's a long snapper. There shouldn't be. Yep. I'm yeah. sure no one scouted him this year for CBS Sports Mock Drafts. Right. Um, he doesn't have a draft profile. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, last year we did have some struggles. The Green Bay Packers had some struggles with um, snaps and collecting the snaps for field goals and uh, J.K. Scott was the holder at Alabama and Hunter Bradley's a long snapper so I Gutekunst must be very upset and tired of mishandled field goal snaps because he, he spent two draft picks on it spent a lot of draft capital yeah that that's that is such a such an odd thing to do but like when you've already managed to get the guys you want mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, why not? Why not find someone in the draft? The puncher, you'll never, you'll never explain to me in a way that's that's satisfactory. No. I'll, I'll be rolling my eyes at drafting a punter for. Uh, it's like the the Bucks drafting Aguayo. What did they draft him? In? Where did Aguayo get drafted? In like the third round or something? Second round. Oh my good yeah. lord, Jesus! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh bless he's his not, heart. He's not on a team anymore, right? No, he's, he's out of the league. No, he came into the league and immediately like started on fire and and hasn't yet to be put out. That's oh boy, he's on the Chargers now. Okay, yeah, good for him. I mean, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, being able to get the guys you want and then say like, all right, let's let's bring in some of these other guys. I just I don't know that 
you wouldn't be able to sign Scott and Hunter Bradley yeah. immediately after the draft I don't know as if, undrafted free agents. I don't know about Scott. I think Scott might have gone to... You said the Raiders took a punter right afterwards. Yep. I think Scott was kind of the the number one punter in the draft, and so I think Scott might have gone right away to the Raiders. Uh, but, man, we were definitely going to get under Brad, a long snapper after the draft. It seems silly that someone would draft a long snapper, but here we are. The Green Bay Packers did. Um, and we're still able to collect Equinemius St. Brown in the sixth round, somebody that a lot of uh, draft people saw going in the second or third. Yeah, and that's that's what leads me to excuse it, and you know, I want I want to be a Brian Gutekunst like super fan. Yeah, I, I want to like I want to have the T-shirt that mm-hmm. says like in Goot we trust. But like my <laughs> dude drafted a punter and a long snapper in his first NFL draft, so that's it's always the matter of like that little thing in the back of your mind, like maybe maybe not smart, but <laughs> yeah. you, you don't know and. The final pick of the uh, of the draft from the Southeast Missouri State Indians. It's Kendall Donerson, a mm. linebacker. The uh, the the CBS read on Donerson, supreme athlete who is extremely raw yeah. as an edge rusher. So sixty six two, athletic, raw. Currently doesn't have pass rushing moves. You think that those would be helpful? Yeah. Hey, glad we waited until our last pick to take a pass rusher who sure. doesn't have any pass rushing skills. I. I would assume Donerson makes the roster just because of our lack of uh, edge rushers on the roster. Uh, I'm sure we'll make some moves with undrafted free agents, and we'll get into that as training camp gets closer. I don't know anything about Donerson. No, not a thing. Yeah, I don't know a single thing. I know whatever you just read me. And I, I just want to give a shout out before we, uh, before we kind of, kind of wrap it up to the uh, the final player, two hundred fifty six pick taken in the draft. Trey, Trey Quinn, uh, wide receiver out of SMU. How's it going, Trey Quinn? Good job, Trey. Good job. You got drafted in the NFL. Proud of you. Um, summing up the whole darn thing, Matt Mellum Setter, the the whole of the Packers draft, Gutekun's first draft, a draft that we. I've had my eye on this one in particular because there were so many needs. Yeah. And there was so there's so much frustration, so much so much unrequited uh energy from last season. Last season got going real strong. I'm I'm so resisting making a sex analogy right yeah. now. Last mm. season got going so well. Chemistry was so good. The candles were lit. Yeah. There you were know, flowers on the, the dinner, bed. The dinner and the movie had both gone oh. really well. Yeah. And then and and then then I made a sex analogy. And yeah, just there's so much of that like what now leading yeah. into this draft. So how did it go? I thought that uh, Gutekunst had a pretty darn good first draft. I thought uh, being able to pick up Josh Jackson in the second round was a great value. I remember talking last time about there being great value in cornerbacks in the second round. I think nailing Josh Jackson far exceeded any of my expectations. Um, I think I like the Jair Alexander pick. I think more important than the Jair Alexander pick is picking up that second first rounder for next season is is the ability to now have two first round draft picks next season which one of them has the possibility of being a very high pick that can be used on like a wide a stud wide receiver coming out a star that first round pick is I think the biggest uh, addition to our 
team. Yeah, to me that's to me that's the defining thing is that the Packers seem to have gotten exactly who they wanted, yep. known how to get it through trades. And um trades are complicated in the NFL. Yeah. Just want to put that out there and that um I don't understand them in the slightest. So being able to work work that as a first year GM, that's that's why the Packers promote from the inside is mm-hmm. that they they find guys who who they know know the technicalities of how all these things work because this is stuff that you know as if you're running a fan podcast you just sort of like you report on it of like yeah they traded down and then they traded up and they moved you know randall for kaiser and Mm -hmm. i'm sure it was all very simple and it was just one phone call or something there's probably like 600 pieces of paper yeah involved in in all the stuff that Mm -hmm. they they managed to do with that millions of dollars shuffling uh-huh. around every time. Yeah, so that that sort of movement and that sort of ability to get it done on draft day is is real real good, you know, it, you know, being uh being I'm not going to say gun shy. I'm making all the wrong analogies, but being uh <laughs> you know, being being reticent <laughs> yeah. is is not not how to draft. Yeah. So being able to to do it and to be to be patient and to know that your guys are going to be there because mm-hmm. You know, clearly, clearly they 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 knew what was happening. They knew that Alexander was their guy. They probably, you know, they they had a feeling that someone was going to be there in the second round as well. Mm-hmm. It was it was well executed from a technical standpoint, um, and it theoretically drafted position you know, addressed positions of need. Yes, it did. We got the Green Bay Packers to like two good cornerbacks, which I would I would guess are both going to be our starting cornerbacks this season. Kevin King. And Jackson on the outside, and Jair Alexander in the slot. I, I would assume that would be our top three cornerbacks with the addition of uh, Tremont Williams, Devon House. Those are small. I would not be surprised to see uh, see House as a starter, at least for the first mm-hmm. first bit of the season. Williams as well, possibly. I, I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if it was almost a full platoon. Sure. Back out there, guys, guys coming in and coming out mm-hmm. and trying to. Uh, Trying to stay fresh and trying to adapt as it went, we saw we saw Josh Jones do a lot of that last yeah. year. But yeah, the positions need got addressed. That was that was huge. A bunch of wide receivers. It telegraphs the Packers wanting to be aggressive on offense and aggressive on defense, mm-hmm. which they weren't either. No, last year. No, and have not been. I, I would not describe the Packers as an aggressive team for at least most of the last three or four years. Uh, McCarthy has been has seemed very complacent with offensive play calling at times, and I think Dom Capers was a very conservative coach towards the end there. Um, this is this, uh, this aggressive kind of turn is going to be fun to watch. It will be. That is our draft preview episode. Um, We'll 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 do another episode soon enough. Mm-hmm. I think we're uh, you know there's there's going to be a little bit of a lull in in NFL happenings for for a little while here. Yeah. So we'll think about coming uh, coming back in another uh, another couple of weeks mm-hmm. to do another one, taking a look at some undrafted free agents and probably just just have a little fun talk about uh, talk about uh, you know all the uh, all the band you've been listening oh, to. Yeah. Ooh. catching catching up on that. Because uh, it's a it's it's a it's a music and culture podcast that we we occasionally mention the Green Bay Packers on. Next uh, week is fine art. Yeah, next next week next week I'll talk about the uh, all the Vasily Kandinsky I've been uh, I've been enjoying recently, and uh, maybe a little bit about architecture in case uh, in case you wanted to unsubscribe from this podcast. Uh, 
Cheeseheads in Chicago takes a trip yeah. to the Art Institute. Yeah, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland <laughs> goes on goes on the architecture uh, uh, boat tour. <laughs> uh, oh, the world of fine dining. That's it. Cheese in Chicagoland. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> oh, okay. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Cheesecagoland. Follow me on Twitter. I'm Mike Fleischman. I am good at Twitter. Just trust me He's on that good one. At Twitter. I'm pretty good at Twitter. Um, I'm at M P F L E I S C H M A N on Twitter. He's Matt Melamsetter. Follow him on Twitter at Melamsetter. Do you do Instagram? I do Instagram. It's at Matt Melamsetter. Uh, okay. It's I, I very rarely use my Instagram, so I've been I've been enjoying my Instagram. You, I am, you I'm at some MP good, Fleischman. You post some good pictures of Fred the other day. Oh my cat! Yeah, oh, he's cute so little kitty. Orange. He's bright orange. He's an old man too. How old is he? He's eleven years old. Wow. Go for and, it. And uh, yeah, he's. He was uh, he was in a real chilled out mood, so so I decided to follow that up. But uh, yeah, I like Instagram because. You know, Twitter is good if you have like a quip or something to say, mm-hmm. if you have something, something real compact to say, but if you just want to like throw a picture out there that's and it. like Instagram filters just make me feel so arty. You yeah, know? Like, that's it. Like, let me just put, uh, you know, get out my cigarette holder and my beret and like, oh, I put the clarendon <laughs> on this picture of my souffle and uh, it's, it works out so good. But thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Um, thank you for bearing, bearing with me today as I've been, as I've been sort of sick and uh, I don't know. I don't want to say less funny than usual, but uh, <laughs> but all the same. All right, for everyone here at Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, which is two of us, all two of us. Uh, thank you once again to uh, Radio DePaul Sports Studio for letting us uh, use their fine equipment to record this podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We'll talk to you later, and until then, stay cheesy, baby, baby.